Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to say a special welcome to all of you for Vision Weekend. I want to welcome those that are watching online, our campuses, those in a video venue here at the Keller campus, or maybe someone who may watch this message later. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody that's joining us this weekend for Vision Weekend. Some of you are already excited because you know these are great weekends, exciting weekends. And some of you are new, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to worship with us and to be a part of Vision Weekend. They are weekends that I get really, really excited about because so much of the time we are talking about different components and aspects of who Christ is in our lives. And sometimes we talk about the what that he's called us to, but the reason I love Vision Weekends is we talk about the why. Why do we calibrate and focus and become intentional about certain things? Why do we prioritize certain things over other things? Vision is important in our lives. You might be surprised that the Bible really leans into the concept maybe more times than you think. But Luke chapter 15 is a place where Jesus gives us a higher vision. Proverbs tells us in the wisdom literature that to be a wise person and to understand how God thinks, we need to know about vision. Proverbs tells us that where there is no vision, then we end up unrestrained. So in other words, the book of Proverbs is telling us that when vision comes into our lives, it it, it constrains us, it restrains us, it focuses us, it causes us to prioritize differently. In a more common translation of the Bible, it says something that I found humorous this week, where there's no vision, the people get out of control. Wow, the Bible speaking of our last year. Come on now, y'all know what I'm saying. You gotta have vision to stay focused on what matters in the Bible tells us that God has it available for us, and my goal this weekend is maybe just to lift your perspective a little bit higher because we have a tendency, one place in the Gospels, Jesus says, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes. Why? Because we have a tendency, and we live in a world today where there's plenty of noise and plenty of options and plenty of voices and plenty of things to distract us and to pull us off course. And yet sometimes Jesus, and this is my prayer as I've been praying for you this week, that he might just gently grab your head just a little bit and say, hey, 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 lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and see what I see. Think about what I'm thinking about. Vision is a powerful thing. Now, some of you are like, oh, you're, you're, you're talking to special people. You're, you're, you're talking about maybe some kind of leader or some kind of gifted person or some kind of person responsible for others. But no, I would say to you that every person listening to me, vision is a part of our lives. Because we see a mental picture of a preferable future. We, we lock our focus on something and it changes our activity and our actions and our sacrifice 
when we see that movie screen that we have painted in front of us. Vision's a part of all of our lives, even the youngest member of my family. Because, see, she has older siblings, two older out of the house, 16-year-old Lauren Elizabeth, so she got real bad case of FOMO, you know what I'm saying? I don't fear of missing out, you know? So she's always selling her side of the agenda. She got to make sure she gets her input. Man, she just always, Dad, here's what you need to have a vision for, and it involves me. <laughs> Driving down the road a few years ago with Lanny Kate, and out of nowhere, she said, Daddy, I love you. Uh, I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> I said, yeah, and I thought I'd test her ability to look into the future. I said, Lainey Kate, you love me, but one day you will leave me. She said, Daddy, I will never leave you. I said, no, no, it's going to happen. It's happening for my older daughter now. In November, we're having a family wedding. And so I was just thinking about that day. I said, yeah, yeah, you're going to leave me. There's a hairy-legged boy going to show up at our house. I'll be sitting there with my shotgun and deer mounts. I'm going to try to scare him because I'm not going to really be that into him. Just to be honest, I'm not really liking him that much. And so I'm going to be sitting there, but you'll convince me that he's God's man and we'll investigate him. We'll do a few background searches on him and he's going to take you and you're going to leave me. Boy, she started pondering it for a minute, thinking about that. She said, Daddy, I got an idea. She said, I'll get the boy, but then we'll just come live with you. I said, now that's not going to happen, baby girl. I'm just going to tell you right now, we got to change the vision because that's not going to work out, right? I'm trying to get all y'all off the payroll and out of my world a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> even little kids have the ability to envision at some level the future. We all do. And vision is an interesting thing, by the way, because if you have responsibility for anyone outside of you, if you have a team, if you have a family, if, if, you're, if you're a dad and you're like, hey, can we just get a vision to pick these Legos up so I don't step on them at night? At some point, you've got to cast a preferable future to try to get everybody on the same page. It's why I love Vision Weekends, because we never set out just to build a mob of people who watch professional people do professional stuff, but to cast a vision where we can participate together and we can all be a part of it. So at some point, if you have other people, be it one, two, three, five, or maybe you have some kind of organizational responsibility, what happens is that vision starts with an idea. It's an idea that could be a benefit to others. And usually there's a visionary leader or leaders that gather around that idea. And there's people in our culture that make a lot of money to come consult you on how to put some flesh around those bones and try to make it applicable and allow people to attach to the idea. And they help you with branding and they give you a mission statement and why do you exist and then a vision statement that talks about how you're going to actually accomplish the mission. And some organizations get to a place where they have a motto, just do it. And that just do it motto kind of encapsulates around that visionary idea. But here's the difference in Vision Weekend in a local church because it's not a human visionary leader who lays out where we're supposed to go. I have the opportunity to share it with you, but it's already been defined. We don't need any consultants. We don't need any experts. 
We could go right now easily throughout the Bible. I could take you multiple places throughout the scripture. We could go to every gospel where this God man, his name was Jesus. He came here to the planet. We spend a lot less time than we should thinking about what he said we should be prioritizing in today's modern version of Christianity. But oh, he made it so, 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 so clear. Here's what's going to happen. I'm leaving. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. He dies on a bloody cross to make a payment that we could never make. Different than any other religion. He didn't say fix yourself, get better, read more scripture, complete all of these church duties, and if you do it right, you can come be with me in eternity. He said, oh no, you'll never climb your way up to me, so I'm coming down to you. And he came down and lived the life that we could never live, so we could experience a life that we could never earn. He's different than any other religious leader in the fact that he's alive today. He's in the room today. He's moving today. He's speaking today. Come on, anybody experience the presence of God here with us today? He's alive because he rose from the dead. He left us some clear vision. I could take you to the great commandment, love others, love God with all your heart. Sum it all up, love God and love others. The great commission. We're on a cooperative mission with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See, we have a Lord, we have a master, we have a leader, we have more than a CEO, we have more than a group of consultants branding some cool idea that will make our lives better. We have a Lord and a Savior, Jesus Christ, who made it very clear to us. So I just have the opportunity to raise your vision today by leaning on the original vision. We've taken those statements, the great commandment, the great commission, we've grabbed those together and we have a motto. It's called reaching people, building lives. It's just some way for you to grab a hold of the great commission, the great commandment. Luke 19, I came, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus' words, reaching people, building lives. We laid it out years ago. Now it's on coffee mugs and sweatshirts and it's kind of going all around in different places. I was teaching in one of our classes here at the Keller campus and somebody painted it on the wall. I was in the middle of it saying, this is our vision and there it was on the wall. I didn't get mad at them because why? I believe in it, so it's cool, it's on the wall. <laughs> Reaching people, building lives. Why would you focus on that? Because Jesus tells some stories and Jesus is also refuting the so-called spiritual elite of his day who did not understand why he had the vision that he had. And they were upset. At the start of Luke 15, it says, all these sinners are eating with Jesus. <laughs> all these sinners or eating with Jesus and he keeps eating with them and he keeps hanging out with them and the Pharisees are like, I don't understand this. Why does he make room at the table for sinners? Why would you make that a priority? And Jesus begins to explain it in the way Jesus, I'm talking about in real Jesus fashion, you gotta love Jesus. He uses three stories. I don't know how much study you've done in the Bible but there's a concept called hermeneutics. You're like, Herman who? Hermeneutics 
is proper interpretation of the Bible. So I just gave you the context of what Jesus, what context he's in when he's saying this, and you need to know the setting, but one of the other concepts in hermeneutics, proper interpretation of the Bible is, when you go to the Bible, the things that are important to God, repetition equal emphasis. So Jesus doesn't tell one story, he tells three, and he starts with some sheep. A hundred sheep. Some friends of mine, Laney Kate's friends with them, and they got their little suburban hobby farm. They bought seven sheep. I got out there, I thought, man, that's cool. What do these things do? <laughs> you, you, oh, they eat. Uh, do they have wool? No, these are the kind that you don't need to shear their wool. I'm like, cool, well, what are they for? <laughs> so when we think about sheep, we're thinking, sheep? Who cares about a sheep? Why would you care about a sheep? But Jesus' listeners would hear it different. High value, this is clothing, this is milk, this is food, this is lambs for sacrifice. This is more like in our culture, if I went home today because I have various age drivers, this would be like I go home and I find out we lost a car. It could happen, y'all. Young families, don't buy them a nice car for the first car. They're gonna ding it, break it, wreck it. We've lost two mirrors in recent season, and my two daughters, and this shows their personality, one knocked the mirror off on a trash can and came crying and repentant. Daddy, I knocked the mirror off. The other one just taped it on and thought I wouldn't notice. I'm like, really? I mean, I'm getting old, but I'm not dumb. I mean, it's taped the mirror on. I mean, come on. So when I say we lost a car, this is not preacher, you know, elaborate thought. This could really happen. I go home and find out we lost a car. We're going looking. Where did you lose it? So when Jesus talks about sheep, he says, you leave the 99 and you go for the one that's valuable. You go find it. He said, look, this is important stuff. Oh, how tempted we can become to be in the 99 who parse Greek verbs and talk about subsets of ideas throughout scripture and sound spiritual and knowledge can make you get puffed up and I know more than you and lose sight that Jesus says, you leave them. You go for the one that's lost. He keeps going, he says a coin. Again, we have trouble, right? This is a a place where there's not a lot of wealth and resource, so a coin, no matter what value it has, is a valuable thing. For us, we had to move out of our house because our house flooded through the ice storm. We moved back in, and what, you, what do you do when you move? I mean, you have a year's wages in the couch. You know what I'm talking about? If you need lunch money, just dig your hand in your couch. It's in there, okay? So it's like coins, coins in my tray, coins here. We miss it, Jesus is saying valuable. I like to relate it to, here's my relationship to it, the remote. <laughs> I don't get to watch a lot of TV, bunch of kids in my house, and if I wanna watch something, you ever have something you just really wanna watch, and I can't find a remote. I mean, we have six, five don't have batteries. I don't know how to operate the other one. And sometimes as a dad, you just have to go full positional. You know what I'm saying? This is not fun, dad. This is, let me cast a vision for y'all's life. Everybody right here in the living room, 
You are not going to eat. You are not going to sleep. You're not going to the bathroom. You're not going to your friend's house. You have nothing else on your life. You could be stuck here, never married, and live with me. You're going to have to find that remote. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Get a vision. Get a vision and find it. Jesus says, though, there's this lost coin, and we need to turn the house upside down to find that lost coin. And then Jesus... Jesus, he goes for the heart. Jesus doesn't play fair, I'm warning you. Jesus says, a kid. If you have any, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. He says, there's a kid, there's a boy. He might as well have spit in his Jewish father's face and said, give me my inheritance, and he goes off into what's called loose living. Some of you know the story, some of you don't. He goes off and squanders his inheritance and ends up in trouble and the story has the character of the son which we all have been or we are where we go off. It has the loving father who is there who when he comes to his senses, which we all pray for if we have that child, come to their senses, come to your senses. The enemy doesn't have anything good for you. He lies, steals, kills, destroys, but Jesus has life more abundant and you pray that over them and let them see that and you're praying that, but this loving father, while he's a long way off, runs to grab him and greet him and receives him. There's another character in the story though. An older brother the older brother is like, why is there so much celebration? Why would we wanna get so fired up about that? What, my brother, I mean, he squandered it. There's a warning in the story. There's a warning to not miss what's on the heart of God. And, and it's easy because we, we get a little down here in whatever issue it is that we are easy to do, real easy to do. Jesus is the right example of the older brother who properly assesses the value of the brother who's gone off because that was the older brother's responsibility. I was over here at 801 Keller Parkway, 1709. We were in an old grocery store remodeled behind Taco Casa. That's the house of the taco if y'all want to know what it is. I preached on that story one weekend and I stood out in the commons in the early part of the weekend. We had a lot of services. And a man came up to me and he said, Pastor Jeff, I just, I felt compassion for him. He had a little piece of paper, wrote his son's name on it. He said, will you pray for my prodigal? I said, yes, sir, I will. I stood up in the services. I said, this is so-and-so's prodigal. This man's burdened over his son. Can we pray for him all weekend? By the end of the weekend, my pocket that I have inside of my suit coat was packed with little pieces of paper where people said, preacher, pray for mine, pray for mine, pray for, we all have somebody, a son, a daughter, a friend, a spouse, somebody around our life. Can I impart something to you today? The way you feel about that person is how God feels about every one of his kids that have not come home. So Jesus makes the vision clear. In fact, I would say that his thesis statement, if you remember back to when you had to write papers, in your opening paragraph, the bottom sentence at the bottom of the paragraph is your thesis statement. And so I see Jesus' three stories and I see his thesis statement actually right there in the first story. He says this, 
There's more joy. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 people sitting around talking about whatever it is that they have made the focus. There's more joy. You're like, man, I've lost some joy this year. Get what's on his heart and joy will begin to fill your soul. Get a little bit on his agenda. More joy? I have to tell you, we all have our propensity to focus on something else. I mean, I hope, I hope there's less people in the parking lot. I hope I can get one of those good parks. Maybe I'll flash my lights again. Can I get a better line at Mother's Day? Are the photo booths gonna be a long line? Is Pastor Jeff's message gonna be good? I hope the worship, this, this, and this, and this. And I, I wanna tell you, we love serving people and helping people, but this set of passages says it's not about us. It's about more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. I began to pray for this passages this week. I began to ask God to fill me afresh and anew with the vision for it. And God's really this last year, I'll be honest with you, what I'm preaching today is not just text. It's been stirring in me because the battles and things we've walked through, I want you to understand the biggest battle in the spirit has been for what's on Jesus's heart. What's on his heart? What's on his heart and what he wants to impart to us is the intensity of your search is determined by the value you place on the item. The intensity from which you search has everything to do with the value you place upon the item. Because I lose stuff all the time. I'm here, there, relationships, running around. Ah, I lose stuff all the time and don't care. But if I lose my wallet, I hyperventilate. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm like, oh my goodness, I gotta call the credit card, come to give it, there's stuff in there, there's pictures, there's stuff, ah. The value you place on the item will determine the intensity of your search. So what keeps us from experiencing this, this more joy, this, this tapping into heaven joy? First of all, I know there's some of you, you didn't know this was available. That's why I love going to a church where people are getting saved. You don't have to erase all the old tapes. You don't have to think about what you think is the priority because you're just here. You're like, Jesus accepted me. I'm saved. Wow, what are we supposed to do? Well, now you get to know you're a part of God's team. You've been put in the game. You have a commission. I double dog dare you to quit thinking only about you and think about when you bring someone else to church or you give into what Jesus is doing to make his agenda a priority. I'm gonna tell you, we're sick from inward thinking and inward focus. So let me just tell all of the new people who don't have any screen to look at, Jesus gives you a high calling and a high vision to be a part of his kingdom agenda in the earth. I think a lot of us think that there are some kind of qualified people, some kind of gifted people who really Jesus is talking to. He's really talking to those special people who have that gifting. Well, I'm gonna tell you, that's a real powerful thing when you see it in action. The truth is love, the intensity of the love is the game changer. People detect when they get around people that love them. I hear it about you all the time. People come here. First, we have intercessory people praying for these moments and praying over our small groups and that people say, I don't know what it was, I came in. I hear it over and over and over, but it's also the love of God expressed through the heart of people. I think about Tanner, he's a teenager. He's never been to seminary, but he gave his life to Christ. 
and he got a burden for his family. He got a burden for his dad who hasn't been to church for 30 years. And when he went, there was nothing there. He got a burden for his twin brothers and he prayed for them and he reached out to them. His twin brothers gave their life to Christ and they were getting baptized. And on the week they were to get baptized, dad gave his life to Christ. And I'm telling you, I was so moved to watch the transformation that took place. And God used a teenager who got a burden for what Jesus cares about. And there's a celebration in heaven. That, that's the vision, that's the target. I think we underestimate the power of an everyone church. I think a lot of people underestimate it. It's not just Milestone Church. We love the church. We help churches. If you knew how much resourcing and stuff we do just to help pastors and churches, and if we haven't learned anything this year, we need life-giving, gospel-preaching, Jesus-oriented, everyone churches in our culture to change it. That's what we need. And in everyone, church is powerful. According to Ephesians 4, the Bible says when everyone does their part, what happens is the church grows and it builds itself up in love. And what happens is Jesus is not physically walking the earth, but because it's his body and when his head is attached to that body and people are connected together and when you offer your part and I offer my part and we work together as a team, as Jesus shows us teams win championships, his body, they see Jesus and they're changed. So don't ever underestimate it's a powerful thing. I believe one of the most, if not the most powerful forces in our current generation and world is, again, local churches that are everyone churches where everyone's doing their part. Another thing that happens is we know, but we get distracted. It just happens. We get selfish. We get myopic. We get a little bit lower. We look at it and we, we, we make the sub point the main point. It just happens to us by way of nature, by way of personality, by way of who we are. The final one is we get off course. It's a warning. This set of passages to not become the older brother. Do you, do you experience joy when you think about one prodigal coming home? Do you experience joy? Do you dream about it? Do you pray about it? Do you talk about it? Do you emphasize it? Do you think about it? And I want to encourage you, Jesus is saying, hey, that's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm praying about. A lot of times I love to just keep telling you stories because I want you to know today's message is not a corrective message. Some of you are like, wow. Man. Okay. You guys are focused on this. I want to show you how because of us continuing to focus on it. I like to say this, these kind of weekends, I know I could preach you know, five points on how to have a better Jesus body. I know I could preach six points on how to have a better marriage or a love life or something like that. I realize God wants to grow us. That's our theme this year. But we have these moments together as well where we keep reminding ourselves of what is the ultimate target man by the name of Ryan, actually the service I'm in right now, he's sitting right over here on the second row. In December, we had 101, because that's what we do, is we invite people out of the crowd and into the family. And in 101, you would be blown away at the number of people who received Jesus in our 101 class. I sit there every time and I'm blown away at what God does. One of those individuals was Ryan, who gave his life to Christ. 
He went through the growth track because our vision is not just reaching Ryan, but building Ryan. He went through all the steps. He went through 301, the small groups. He did all that. Then he went into FPU, and he has some gifting there, so he's helping others with their stewardship and training people and how resources work. And in FPU, he was asked to pray. And he's like, I've never done that before. And he was a little nervous, but he stepped out and did it. And I love this story about him. He decided that in my journey, I was afraid to pray at FPU, but I don't want my kids to be in the place where they don't know how to pray. So he's been praying with his son every night so that his son knows how to pray. That's called generational transfer, and that's the answer. That's the answer. If you ever get frustrated with everything, ah, that's the answer. That's the answer, one dad at a time, coming to know Jesus and praying with his son. One mom at a time, one friend at a time, coming to know Jesus and transferring this walk with Jesus to those coming behind them. I wanna look back for a minute. I've had several people, just because of the unique season that we've had, I've had several people ask, Pastor Jeff, how's our church doing? How's our church doing? We've gone through an unprecedented time and a time that'll go down in the history books and people said, how are we doing? So I wanna look back for just a moment. I don't typically go this exhaustive on a weekend, but I want you to be able to hear it because I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you keeping the main thing the main thing and I believe the greatest battle, you may think it was something else, but I believe the greatest battle is still what Jesus said in Luke 15. Who's gonna think about my lost sheep? Who's gonna focus on that? That's what I have as my agenda. And I'm so thankful that you continued to serve others. We served more people this last year than we ever have. A little less talk and a lot more action. At the height of the pandemic, 1,300 of you showed up to serve others. And this last serve day, 2,200 and something of you showed up for 100 and something projects to serve our community and serve our city. When ice came, when ice-mageddon fell, you guys sprang into action. I've never been more proud of you than I was in that moment, just proud to be a part of a church, not the pastor of a church, just proud to be with a group of people who show up, because I believe the church is the most resource-rich environment on the planet, not our church. The church is the most resource-rich place on the planet, and when she comes together and offers and everything that God's deposited in our lives, it makes a huge difference. I think about Carrie, that weekend I pointed out Carrie, because everyone's like, what's Milestone Church about? Carrie gave his life to Christ just a few weeks before Ice-mageddon, and in the middle of it, because he went to 101 and found out that Jesus said we should reach out to the lost, he got his four-wheel drive and started delivering. People say, what are y'all about? That, that, it should go viral. That, that serving others, serve more people than we ever have in that season. It changes people's lives like Jessie. Jessie, right before the pandemic, lost her husband. She became a widow. She was invited to joy by someone. I, at the joy event, said, all single moms, I wanna give you this book to help train young men. She reached out to get that book, and then someone reached out to her. She went to the Seeds group. She gave her life to Christ. 
on serve day. We had baptism. She was baptized on serve day. And in that baptism, she was also celebrating the fact that you, because of your generosity and a team of people, helped remodel her house. That, 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 that. You say, well, we're reaching the lost. I grew up in a church and, you know, it's like they're coming in the front door, but they're falling out the back door. If you didn't go to church, you won't get that. People are falling through the cracks. I was a 14-year-old going, where are the cracks at, man? We don't just reach people, we build people. We want to help you get engaged in kingdom life. And I'm so encouraged by the engagement level of people in our grow track in this little short window, 1,900 people in the middle of a time where it's been very difficult, 1,900 people have come out of the crowd and stepped into being trained as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Quite honestly, encouraging pastors across the country, churches have had challenge getting restarted and getting regoing. And it's not just all the practicals and different circumstances that we've had to balance. A lot of it is just the volunteers. It takes a lot of volunteers. Jesus said, when you pray, he gave us the Lord's prayer, but he also at one point said, if you're gonna pray, don't pray about the harvest. It's plentiful. You need to pray for the laborers. Takes people to serve people. And a lot of churches stayed closed for a long time, not just because of fear of the medical condition, they didn't have the people to serve the other people. And I'm so thankful I pastor a church like you. The Bible says in the day of thy power, the people volunteer freely. In a church where the power of God's moving, the people volunteer freely. We have more people on our serve team today than we had before the pandemic. Why? Because you're an engaged bunch of people. Come on, come on, clap for yourself. <laughs> Engagement, salvations, such a unique move of God and the, the people being saved in this season, it's been so sweet, just to be honest. It's made all the trials and challenges worth it to see that one sheep come home. Financially, how are we doing? I wanna thank you for your generosity because you continue to be financially generous. We didn't take PPP money. We felt as a church that we were gonna lean on the provision of God and the resources that God gives to his people to steward. And we grew in the middle of this season 12% financially as a church. And those resources continue to be deployed to change the lives of people. But let's look forward for a moment. My final few moments with you, I wanna get very practical and share with you some forward-looking things. Because you've been engaged, because you've stayed in the game, because we've worked together, because we've kept the main thing the main thing, we're poised now not to just try to rebuild, but to advance the kingdom of God. And so we are moving forward to advance the kingdom of God. One area is our Hazlitt campus. We had a vision for this because we had several families from the Hazlitt area. On June the 13th, we're gonna have a launch rally if you're interested in that or know someone in the Hazlitt area, we have an email there available for you to let them know. We're gonna rally together and we're gonna step out. September the 12th is gonna be our launch day in the Hazlitt area as we launch our new campus. Let me tell you about this group of people. How many of you know God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose? So even though we had a delay, it only strengthened our core. 
We have 53 small groups meeting in the Hazlitt area, a core launch team of about 500 people. We believe we could have 800 to 1,000 people on launch day and a lot of sheep, coins, and lost prodigal sons come home to Jesus. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. Because of your generosity, we paid cash for over 10 acres of land. We've engaged an architect. We're designing a building, and we believe God is going to use those things to reach that community. Pastor Ron Stagel, who's been a part of our spiritual families, the campus pastor, is doing a phenomenal job at reaching that area. He and his wife sold their home north of here and moved to Hazlitt. They're making a great impact in that area, and we're all a part of it. We're all a part of it. I want to talk to you about our Keller campus because we have some of you that are new and we want to catch you up as well as to what God's been doing here. Everything that's happening now has been a part of the original vision that God gave us and this is the completion of one step in that original vision. And so in 2019, we launched a project called Beyond. You may see some of the things that are talked about on the screen, see it around all the parking, the new parking that is being put in place. By the way, all of that paid for by cash due to your generosity, all of it, okay? And so we, we, we have that step that's going on. We got delayed a little bit. Let me show you real quick for those of you who are not aware of what we're actually doing. Watch this video with me and you'll see a little snapshot of what we're doing. Milestone Church was launched in 2002 with a simple vision, reaching people and building lives. In April of 2017, we opened the doors to our new Keller campus and immediately saw God moving in extraordinary ways. We very quickly realized that we needed to begin planning our next step. So in 2019, we launched our Beyond campaign to increase our faith and open additional space for even more people. We are currently two-thirds of the way through the Beyond Journey, our three-year financial campaign in which you, the people of Milestone Church, generously pledged $15.7 million to expand our parking, commons, kids' building, and worship center. Construction is well underway on 763 additional parking spots to the north and east of our campus. And we are expanding space to serve more people on the weekends while also enhancing the campus to create an inviting place for you to gather with friends and family throughout the week. We're also adding an additional 23,000 square feet to our commons area to make the building more accessible and much easier to navigate. Moving into the new kids building, you'll see a dedicated entrance that provides increased accessibility and expanded check-in areas. The plan also enhances security to both the new facility and the existing Milestone Kids Space, which will be transformed into new atmospheres to teach the Bible to our preschool-aged children and grandchildren. Across the commons in the new Kids Building, we have designed an exciting game zone for our older elementary kids. This new space will provide our kids with a safe and fun environment to hang out, have fun, and build relationships. We've paid special attention to our 5th and 6th grade ministry, also known as 56. Our team has designed a dynamic new space that enhances our ability to provide age-relevant worship, applicable Bible teaching, and small group interaction. The largest area of our new kids' building will be our elementary theater. This room will be a fun and interactive environment where kids can worship and learn the Bible. This theater also provides space for kids to break out into small group circles where dedicated leaders will help your kid grow in their faith. 
The final phase of this Beyond project will be the addition of 900 new seats to the worship center to create more space for the people God will be adding to our church family. We are excited for the next step in the Beyond journey. For more details and renderings, visit beyond.milestonechurch.com. So we've talked about the why, that's the what that we are actually doing, and I want to celebrate something with you. We kind of take the project in phases and steps, and we've been working with the city, and it's been a a big next step. We laid out a $3 million goal to get to the next step, and I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity, and celebrate with you that we hit the $3 million goal, so we're at $10 million in giving. Come on. Isn't that exciting? And we have the building permit and we are breaking ground on the new children's building and the commons. So we're excited about that. And I decided we needed official groundbreaking ceremony. So I asked some very special people that are really a part of the vision of Milestone to help me with that. Watch this with me. Okay, everybody ready? We're all gonna dig together. Ready, go, dig. Awesome, yay. Come on, everybody clap, everybody clap. Awesome. Okay, no more digging, no more digging. It's all good. No more digging, it's all good. It's only symbolic, it's only symbolic. Y'all did awesome. Awesome, great job. Come on, come on, hey. Parents, can you feel my pain? Come on, you know, you ever do something, you're like, this is about to get out of control. Everybody pushes your shovels down, but anyway. (laughs) That was awesome, and um, we're excited about the next step. We're not receiving an offering today, but we're casting vision for where we're going. Our next step will be the worship center. We have a $5 million need in the project. We're gonna have a miracle offering in November. So I'm gonna ask you just to begin to do what we have always done, pray and ask God what he would have you to be a part of and let's move toward this next step because we're narrowing in on closing this project out and we're excited about what God's gonna do and reaching this area, but also like what we're seeing in Hazlitt, we, we have a vision to be able to continue to reach people and build lives. What's it all about? The stories I've already told you, but I I wanna tell you very transparently, what keeps me moving forward at this point in my life, in this phase in my life, it's when I spend time with Jesus, I sense his heartbeat for those that are lost. And, And I'm just telling you this transparently, we live in an area, for some reason, God chose us in this point in human history to be in an area where he's bringing lots of lost and prodigal people from all over the country right here. And I want you to partner with me with as I'm a person who looks into the future in heaven. My dad's in heaven. Thinking about the day I stand before Jesus and all I wanna hear is, you weren't perfect, but you had a heart for what I have a heart for, well done. And all the pains we've all been through in the last year It all kind of came into a moment for me at the 915 service a few weeks ago. We baptized over 100 people. I didn't know who would be in that tank. I sat right there in the seat as a participant just like you. 
And I have to tell you, I, I got overwhelmed when I saw Rowdy, a young boy, reach out to his teacher. His teacher led him to Christ before class. And I thought, that, that, a young boy who gave his life to Christ right there in that service. CJ was in that service. Young man, moved here from Mississippi. Came here and some people in our church, they'd just been coming a few weeks themselves, reached out to him, befriended him. He gave his life to Christ. He was baptized in that service. That. And then what absolutely messed me up was a lady by the name of Tessie, who's a single mom who served in our discovery room for special needs kids for the past six years. There was a young boy that has autism and she serves him. And I was watching even how he was responding to her in the tank. He said he accepted Christ, but if I get baptized, I want Tessie to be with me. And in that tank, she there holding him, they were baptized together and I, I just, I was supposed to come up here and host, and I don't know if you were in that service, but I, I, I got overwhelmed. There's not a lot of times where the preacher doesn't have something to say. I thought, we're in the presence of God. This is on your heart, Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? Would you pray a risky prayer and say, Jesus, I've shared with you a lot of things that are on my heart, Will you share with me your heart? Will you share with me what you care about? Maybe we all just need to say, Jesus, I'm sorry because I got over here and I got over here. And would you today put your vision in my heart? I know I get distracted, Jesus. I, I know I get kind of turned here or there, but Jesus, Give me your heart, give me your vision. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that for every person under the sound of my voice, if they don't know you, they would come to know you, they would give their life to you, say, Jesus, here's my life. Just for, you can pray it yourself. Jesus, here I am, I surrender to you, I give myself to you. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the dead. If you prayed that prayer, we wanna help you grow and understand what it means to follow Jesus. But the rest of us, Jesus, I'm asking you to go beyond my words. I'm praying for this vision to burn in the hearts of your people and I confidently share it because you've made it so clear. Give us your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.